The following podcast contains real-life paranormal experiences, so please listen with care. Today, I'm happy to bring you a very interesting interview with Kim. I met her at a podcast festival in Washington State earlier this year, and I knew I had to interview her. She is a dark historian and a haunted tour guide, basically the coolest job ever. I learned so much about doing research on haunted locations, and she might even help me find more information about Lori's past. Kim has a great energy, and I know you will love this interview. Hi, Kim. Welcome to Beyond the Gravestone. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> Good. I am too. <laughs> Fabulous. Yay. <laughs> it's a good way to spend a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about how you first got interested in the paranormal. I first got interested in the paranormal uh, partially because I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and we do love our our ghost stories our cryptids our creepy stories uh i used to go for bigfoot hunts in the backyard that was like that was a big thing when i was little yeah uh we have this big uh just wooded area and my mom would kind of chuck my brother and i outside during the summertime or, or anytime you know she worked from home back before it was cool and um yeah, I, I was I love this idea that there was a monster living in the backyard or a dinosaur or a Bigfoot or something. Oh my God. <laughs> that was never scary to me. That was always just like, oh cool, something to make friends with. Um so like I loved I loved the stories. I was obsessed with the Loch Ness monster. Anytime we were allowed to do like our own presentation picking for for class. I remember in sixth grade, like doing this whole project on the Loch Ness Monster. I made a model of a plesiosaur. And oh my God. It, so it was, I always like, I loved those kinds of stories. I loved the other. I loved knowing what could have been out there. And ghost stories especially, um, Mm-hmm. For me, like there, there's something about that, the community of telling a ghost story, like sitting around a fire and sharing stories and stories that relate to the past. And, and that was always, again, it, it, it was creepy in a, a good way. So mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think a lot of it for me was the Pacific Northwest and just kind of our general ambiance of, uh, <laughs> just looks like a ghost story like right now it's it's i look outside there's clouds there's rain it looks like a ghost story it's great (laughs) (laughs) can you describe to me what a dark historian tour guide is and what they do uh i love the the label dark historian i had a a friend (laughs) of mine who who actually is the one that labeled me that way but i liked it enough that i i kept using it uh so i work at spooked in seattle as a tour guide as a paranormal investigator uh and as i do all of our our true crime uh events uh we had a we had a murder tour pre-pandemic and we're still kind of in the process of bringing that back but we do regular features where we talk about true crimes and so i think uh the dark historian portion is very much somebody who looks into the history uh the 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 less sanitized history the you know the not just the ghost stories but uh history is is dark full stop period Mm -hmm. yeah 
And I think I really like, for me, that's where a lot of the truth is. And I love trying to find the, the full story behind the situation, context for situations and dive a little deeper. And, and oftentimes that becomes dark, but uh, a, a lot of it too is just, I like ghost stories. I like murder stories and uh, <laughs> so they don't teach those in schools enough. I don't know why. Oh my God. School would be so much more interesting. Kids would pay attention more if every so often you just dropped a little like history of a ghost story in there. Cause the history behind the ghost stories is fascinating. Yeah, like, I would I would pay attention to. Right, exactly. So like it's uh, teachers, if you're listening, <laughs> here you go, do that. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I will definitely listen. <laughs> See, we here, we, we've got it here. So uh, yeah. Um, it, it's it's been where I've gravitated towards and, and linking back to that, just like, I like weird, creepy things. And I like that in my history as well. History should be weird and creepy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do you usually do your research for your paranormal tours? That's a really good question. Um, it can be a little bit of a feat uh, delving into anything that takes place kind of further back like some of the stories we tell on the tour um are more recent there's there's one we tell from 1985 so there's lots of of news footage there's newspaper articles there's written accounts of it there's eyewitness accounts of it and so you can piece something like that together pretty easily and just do some searching pull up some new stuff um for stories that take place from much much longer ago what i usually end up doing is um it, it's it's almost like digging like like you're digging a little hole and and you find the first part you need but then there's something else behind it so you have to kind of keep digging and i do a lot of like looking at original sources so if i I read one article and it sources a bunch of other stuff. So then I look through all the sources and I look through their sources and I try to find the very start of the source and the start of the reference. So I can decide for myself, is this a legitimate story? Is this a legitimate account of the story? Um, newspapers, I find older newspapers, particularly they don't always give a very accurate account of something from a hundred years ago. Cause a lot of times there'd be one article that gets written and then all these other newspapers pick that article up. Hmm. And then that's the source that get, gets used for years and years and years after. So you'll find a fact that's wrong in the first article, a misreporting oh. of something. Yeah. And it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really easy thing to do to just get a fact wrong, especially when it's, you know, the year 1890. Uh, but everyone else is using that as their source. And as time goes by and people are writing about it or like looking back on history and they reference the same article that has that misreported fact. So it's it's going even beyond that and being like, okay, can I find death records? Can I find trial transcripts? Can I find um, birth certificates and, and deeds to homes? That's finding out where somebody lived or who lived there is always a big one. Uh, and so you're trying to pull up like old deeds. And again, if it's the last couple decades, you're fine. If it's something from 100, 120, 150 years ago, those are a lot harder 
to find. Seattle specifically had really poor record keeping in the early days. Oh. Yeah. So if you're looking for a death certificate, eh, there may have never been one. Uh, We tell a story on the tour about a um, bank teller who was murdered and his ghost is said to haunt the building, but it's sort of one of those instances we've caught like EVPs. We've caught um, ghost voices basically Mm -hmm. uh, when we've been in there and everybody always assumes it's the bank teller and he gives his name at one point, but we've never been able to verify the name because you Mm -hmm. find the references to, to the teller being killed, but I've never found a death certificate. I've never found a, a roster of people who worked at the bank. I keep looking so you do start to run into these this is the most well-known story attached to a a place so we assume the ghost must be this person but for all we know it's like you know somebody who died 20 years ago when it was a like a coffee shop and and swallowed his coffee wrong and keeled over and that's who's been haunting we don't know we don't know for sure so there's there's a lot of guesswork involved uh and a lot of paper cuts as you go through old documents it's my least favorite part, the paper cuts. I don't like it. <laughs> I've been on some ghost tours in different cities, and they're all different. How do you like to engage in your audience? I always feel like the more fun your audience is having, the more fun I'm having, the more fun we're all having. Uh, so really encouraging people, like, ask questions, say your comments if if there's something you're noticing say it if if there's something you're confused about like yeah you're probably not the only one raise your hand and and ask it um i try very hard when we're walking from location to location to engage with people get to know them a little bit get them to feel comfortable with talking uh sometimes especially if you have a really big group of people nobody wants to be that person that's like all right i'm gonna be the first one to answer a question you're you're kind of embarrassed about it and so getting past that and being like we're all gonna be together for the next 90 minutes let's let's you know introduce yourself to somebody you don't know on the tour break the ice have a good time we're on this journey together we're experiencing this together and and try to kind of foster that because the the best tours i've ever had have been groups that i mean that sometimes get a little bit more boisterous because they're excited and i would much rather have to pause because people are having a good time and engaged in the topic than have those do we have any questions anyone have anything they want to say no cool Um, one, actually one of my favorite groups I've ever had was just recently, I had a group, uh, of, it was a a girl's 11th birthday and it was a private tour. She brought all of her friends and all their parents. And it was one of the most funs I ever had on a tour because they were so curious and they were asking so many questions and they were making jokes and they were engaged. And it was just, we were all having a complete blast. And it shows, you know, again, it's that energy because y'all kind of feed off that energy. I know I feed off that energy when I'm when I'm in front of an audience of any kind. Um, you want them to be enjoying themselves. So I, I think it's not just the tour guide standing there telling stories, the tour guide standing there talking about history. History should be a living thing. It should be something that we want to engage in. 
so that's that's something I hope people experience on on my tours is that this isn't just a person talking at you for you know for ninety minutes because that after a while it gets kind of boring. I know you used to live in the UK. Do you have any spooky experiences from there? I do. Uh, I would actually say my my time living in the UK is what sort of took me from this being something I was just interested in, like, oh, I like ghost stories. Ghost stories are fun. Uh, I'm going to read ghost stories and watch scary movies to this is something I want to be more actively involved in. Um, I was uh, with my class, my my grad school class. uh, That was why I was living in the UK at the time. And we were visiting Stratford-on-Avon the birthplace of Shakespeare, because I I was studying Shakespeare and classical acting. (laughs) And uh, there was a museum there that was, um, I wish I could remember the exact, it was like the history of, I don't know, witchcraft and murder and dark things. It was was basically tailor-made for someone like me, who's like, all of the dark things? Yay! (laughs) So uh, nobody would go with me. Not a single person in my class would go with me. And there was like, 15 of us in the class um so they went off to do something and um we were all going to meet back later and we had free time and so i went in and it was middle of the week and there was nobody else in there uh and i you know paid my admission and and the woman running the front desk even said she's like it's all yours so spend as much time as you want and it was this old inn so you're going from floor to floor and each floor kind of had a theme and the first floor there was a lot of uh i think there was some like unsolved murders that had happened and i remember there was some some witchcraft stuff but the top floor you walk in and there's all of these haunted toys everywhere oh god yeah which is let's i'm sorry dolls are dolls are terrifying dolls are creepy dolls are terrifying haunted or not they're they're poor Lori. she's like sitting right next <laughs> She has headphones on too right now. Here. Oh. oh, but well, but see, cute and terrifying. I have a haunted doll too. So like oh, I say this knowing yeah. she's gonna be like, mm, I'm sorry, dolls are terrifying, then what am I? Uh <laughs> but like being stared at. It's you know what it is? It's like oh. there was so many. Yeah, there's dozens of them. So it wasn't one doll, it was dozens of these toys and dolls and stuff things. Um but it was yeah. very cool. Yeah. A lot of my friends hate that. Like, it's, they just because the eyes follow you. Like, yeah, yeah. And you're you're going, and you're like, oh, they're all looking at me, and they're judging me. Uh, so I get up there, and again, it was it was it was cool. It was a little creepy, but it was cool. And there was a medium's closet to the side, and a medium's closet is just a, uh basically a small dark room where mediums oh and they yeah right <laughs> like, still, i wouldn't even want to do that <laughs> like well they still use them too it's it's mediums used to talk to the spirits in them and and a, a friend of mine who works as a medium like he has his it's not quite as i think like this was literally a tiny little closet and i think his is is a little bit different how he has it set up but it, it's a it's a space where you can kind of meditate and communicate with the spirits and there was a sign on the door and the sign said go in if you dare oh god would you dare i'm not even sure like i i kind of have like a little bit of gifts and i don't even know if i would want to do that 
I thought it was going to be a great idea because, you know, <laughs> it was 20 something and it was, yeah. Uh, so I reached my hand out to open the door and my hands on the doorknob and it's like somebody slapped my hand. And so I was like, oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> And it's the first time I'd ever, like, I've had friends who've talked about, like, being touched by ghosts or whatever, and I'd never, I've had, I'd had, like, paranormal experiences before, but nothing like that. And it was, man, it was the trippiest feeling in the world. So then I go into the back room. And the back room, um, as soon as I walked, I don't even know what was in there, because as soon as I walked in there, I, I got cold. I felt like there was somebody right behind me, somebody breathing down my neck, and it was not a friendly thing. Oh my god. I've like I've had two experiences that are like kind of exact like this. Oh. Except like it was in a different situation, but it was like it. So like these were like the first experiences I had. So the first time I think I had one is I was sleeping and I felt someone breathing on my ear. I could hear it and I could feel it. Oh, dear. And then, like, I hid under my covers and, like, didn't come up for, like, three days or what. That's a good reaction. Yeah, and I was like, it was probably just fan or whatever. And I put my head up and I feel something, like, press down on the middle of my head, like, trying to push me back down. Oh. I was just like, oh. You know, I'll just go back under here. I'm just gonna stay under here. This is a nice safe place, and I'm yeah. gonna because they the covers are that's the little sanctuary too. They're like I'm gonna be under a little blanket, and this is good. It's it's there's nothing like that feeling. Um, there mm-hmm. really isn't, and it's part of what's alarming is because there's at least for me there's like rational brain and then like lizard brain. And rational brain that wants to be like, okay, like what you said, this could be a fan. It could be this. It could be this. But then your lizard brain that's just like, nope, danger, 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 danger. But like, it was like, like the way I couldn't explain it is because it was only on my ear. Oh. Like not even the rest of my body, just my ear. So pinpointed. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a thing. And my, like my bed's super low to the, like, pretty low to the ground so it'd be like someone would have to be on their knees to be breathing on my ears so like super freaky do you you have ghosts in your house um my ghost uh, my ghost my (laughs) house isn't haunted i don't think because a lot of stuff already happens especially with lori um yeah so i don't think so (laughs) <laughs> but now you're going. thinking about it sorry <laughs> why would you make me think about it <laughs> sorry sorry it's a, it's like a, a a hazard like uh i you know sometimes my friends will message me and they're like hey so my kid's convinced that there's a ghost in the room i need you to tell them there's not and i'm like but what if there is i mean like i don't know do you want me to come investigate and they're like well yeah but can you tell them there isn't and i'm like but what if there is <laughs> let them explore <laughs> like yeah like this is again i like most ghosts are not scary too i mean the the unknown is scary like something whispering 
on you is scary. And if you're feeling a negative presence, that's terrifying. Yeah, it didn't feel good, too. Yeah. And that's that feeling that is is utterly terrifying. And and generally, when I investigate, I'd say, you know, 85% of the time, um, the spirits are indifferent, neutral, or and sometimes kind of excited, but they're they're not they're not malicious. They don't feel like there's something that's that's bad. And then you have the ones yeah. that that are that you feel it. You feel that you're not welcome. You feel that they don't like that you're here. Like not everything is good and not everything is bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it's kind of like. Like with Lori, mm-hmm. sometimes when I hold her doll, I feel like this happy energy. See, but, and that's nice. Yeah. But when I felt that breath on my ear, it mm-hmm. didn't feel good. Like yeah. it felt negative. Yeah. And being able to recognize that is is good. It's not in the moment. In the moment you're like, well, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. But uh, like, like with Lori, I've actually heard her whisper, but like, I'm just like shocked, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not scared. Like there's kind of a difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's, you know, cause I'll get asked sometimes from people on my tours, like, are you, aren't you afraid of something coming home with you? Aren't you afraid something's going to happen? And it's like, most of these spirits have been around for a minimum of a hundred years, if not 120 to 150 years in these spaces, like they're pretty well established. And I think if nothing else, they appreciate that their stories are continuing to be told because it keeps them alive is maybe not the right word, but like remembered, remembered. Yeah. And, and they're still a part of things. They're still a part of the energy then of, of people around them. They're being talked about. They're being acknowledged even my, my haunted doll. Her name is Millie. Oh, and uh, she's actually, she's very chill. Like she pulls some things, she'll knock things off the shelf. She'll throw things off the shelf. She turns my TV on in the middle of the night. Uh, but she really likes, at least I feel like she likes, I, I you know, um, I bring her with me sometimes to like a, a, a drama rehearsal or I'll bring her to meet students. And, and she loves that. She loves to be acknowledged. She loves to be talked about right now. She's probably loving that I'm talking about her. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, I think there's, we, we get, we get afraid of things we don't understand. We get afraid of something happening that we can't explain, but most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time it's, it's a spirit looking to be seen or heard or known and then you have those those percentages of the time where it's like oh no this guy this guy doesn't like me (laughs) this guy doesn't like that i'm here or is is wishing bad things and those are the moments where where that fear i think can really set in because even if logically you know there's nothing they can probably do outside of blow air at you or or breathe down your neck yeah but they like want you to be scared they like, want you to be scared yeah so mm-hmm. um they want you i don't know maybe that's what they're feeding off of maybe they're feeding mm-hmm. off of the fact that your your energy is now afraid of them and that's that gives them more power i don't know that's a it's an interesting thing to to think about though but like it's good to like show that you're not scared Mm-hmm. yeah like because if they know you're scared they're gonna keep doing it mm-hmm. 
and they know how to push your buttons. Mm-hmm. I I had a friend who was living in a, a old place in New York, old brownstone, and there was a spirit there. And uh, spirit was kind of mischievous, like would like to hide things, like to move things. Um, never mean spirited or again malicious but but definitely had kind of a cheeky streak and she had come home one day and put her keys down and then her keys like she'd gone out of the room came back keys weren't there and it'd been a really long day she had stuff she had to do errands she had to run and she just kind of went like i i can't right now i need my keys back i this has not been a good day for me i need you to not do this and she walked out of the room again and came back and the keys were back on the counter wow so yeah it was and and but it was this moment of just like hey normally i don't mind when we play today is not that day and the spirit was just like oh okay cool sorry my bad (laughs) and you're like i'll see again that's charming that's that's nice it's that's your your weird little ghostly roommate that that kind of becomes a a good time and not anything to be really scared of but uh but yeah but the the genuine those genuine moments where you feel like something wishes bad things those are i'll never get used to that feeling no matter no matter how long i've done this i'll never get used to it yeah (laughs) you're also a paranormal investigator so what's your all-time favorite haunted location oh that's a hard one (laughs) there's so many good haunted locations uh i do have a deep love for uh the walker ames house in port gamble washington it's a very cool old house insanely haunted uh it's one of those places that you know you walk in and you do sort of feel like you're being hit with this energy of of things and every floor has its own spirit every floor has its own story so uh my ghost hunting group we get to go in there pretty regularly to investigate. So I, I think that's a little of my attachment also is, is it's nice to have such ready access to a place. Cause we, we often don't get that luxury. A lot of times if I'm investigating something, it's a, it's a private residence or a business, or we're getting to go into a place, but you have, you know, this little tiny bit of time and, and it's never enough. So anytime you get, that where you get that sort of free reign is is special uh i will say i'm i i really love the empress hotel in victoria uh that was an instance though you know i'd i'd been there a bunch of times they do high tea and i'd stayed there a couple times and i've done the ghost tours around and uh i ended up covering the empress for an episode of my podcast and that was those one of those instances of of some of the stories that get told about the empress and i started doing that digging into the stories and you find out like there is truth to this story but the truth and what's told are two very different Mm -hmm. things uh and that's a thing that i love doing but then sometimes upsets people which is 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 taking apart those ghost stories i love trying to take apart the ghost story to find the actual story because oftentimes the actual story is equally as interesting if not more so than what's getting told but history can become this giant game of telephone as we're you know kind of 
sharing it by word of mouth over and over and over and again, and it, it eventually morphs into something else. Um, but yeah, those are, are, are two of my, my favorite places. I also love, uh, Edinburgh. There's, uh, they've got the, the castle there and they have these kind of catacomb type things. And, and I didn't, I never experienced anything paranormal down there. I didn't investigate, but I did the tour there and it, that's one where just the atmosphere alone feels very, uh, you feel like you're surrounded by ghosts, even if you don't see anything or know if anything's there. Like the feeling of being watched? Feeling of being watched, feeling of of like there's just somebody next to you all the time, even yeah. if you're walking. Yeah. I definitely feel that a lot in my room because mm. that's where Lori likes to stay because that's mm-hmm. where her doll stays for most of the time. Ah. Uh- Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. she likes staying around the doll. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, so it's it's there is that like attachment to that object then. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Um, with with Millie, I'm I'm never sure. As far as I can tell, Millie herself is is the haunted object, uh, and not something kind of like separate from her (laughs) but partially just based again on the history i've been able to piece together of of her but uh it is one of those kind of questions where you're like i don't i don't actually know i've not been able to to fully figure all of her out yet so Mm. (laughs) keep trying yeah with Lori, i know a lot i know that she does haunt this stall but um she likes staying around it i guess just to like make sure it's okay oh this this is it's kind of nice it's a little it's a little sad too but it's it's good that she has that kind of like comfort thing too Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's neat oh do you i was gonna ask you do you know what time period millie's from uh the doll i believe is from the 1950s Hmm. um the i acquired millie uh from a friend of mine who lived Mm. back east and her grandmother died and she got a bunch of her grandmother's stuff and the doll was among the things and then my friend started noticing weird things happening like stuff would fly off the shelf uh things would move and it creeped her out and she's not really into the paranormal but she she called me and she was like listen i don't want this in my house but i don't want to just get rid of it because i don't know it could be my grandmother i don't know or maybe it's not i don't know and uh so she sent it to me and i figured well if it acts up in any way that's that's legitimately destructive because that that has happened before not with any haunted object i've had but with haunted objects uh i'll take her down to to spooked in seattle we have a whole haunted doll collection i'll add her to the collection like we have one doll that perpetually has a rosary wrapped around it because it's supposed to have a demon in it don't know that it actually does but like eh, you know we're not gonna take a chance yeah (laughs) that's not a gamble you want to make is there a demon isn't there a demon just keep the rosary on it it's fine just keep sage around it crystals you know just in case that's again it it does no harm to take precautions so we do uh but uh no but millie you know she again she she's kind of cheeky she she will 
she's most active in the colder months in the winter. So we're, we're, we're coming up to peak Millie season. She'll probably start waking up or doing her stuff soon. Um, but it's, it's, there's always a week during the winter where, and it's, it's never been the same week cause I've tracked it, um, where the TV turns on around three in the morning and it's the TV in the living room. And I always check where the cat is. Nope, cat is next to me, so it's not the cat that did it. And the volume turns up, so it's it's uh, it's very deliberate. And that'll happen for like a full week, and then it's done. Um, stuff will fly off the shelf. She flung something off the shelf. It was last winter, uh, and not just like oh, it fell over. Like it was somebody tossing it across the room. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay, you want some attention? Heard. Uh, but yeah, she's never done anything that's, that's felt malicious or, or bad. So mm-hmm. I, I talk to her, the cat stares at her sometimes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're still not sure. I'd brought her to a friend of mine who was a medium to see if, if, if he could suss anything out and he could feel the energy, but he couldn't get much more than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Again, it could be her grandmother. It could have been haunted prior to you know her grandmother could have gotten it haunted we don't know unfortunately um anything like i don't know the history of how her grandmother came to get it because she doesn't know and um she was gonna ask her mom but i think her mom wasn't really sure either because even the name millie millie was her grandmother's name and that's how Mm. we started like but we don't know for sure that that's even who it is, but it's, you want to call her something. So Millie was, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, there's, I, I have a lot of unknown with her, but I looked up the type of doll and it was, yeah, it was like a 1950s doll. Uh, and she's a, she's getting a little delicate. So I have to, even if I travel with her, I have to be very careful because her, her joints are a little bit precarious and I don't want her to fall apart on me one day but yeah uh, same with Lori she's falling apart I need yeah. to get it fixed how what time period is she from um Lori was born in 1886 and died in 1922 Ooh. oh wow not 22 23 sorry okay wow she oh. was only 37 when she died oh that's so young it was unfortunately very common in those times yeah. but yeah well it wasn't because of any health she died in a fire so oh very unfortunate that's a that's a rough one oh mm-hmm. yeah hmm. but she's what? a very happy person oh that's good yeah is the was the doll how did the doll come to be then um she used to be my mom's and okay. then my mom gave it to me and that's when we started figuring out it was haunted Oh, wow. That's really, really interesting. Huh. Um, have you, like, recorded all of as much of her story as you can down? Like, um, yeah, but, like, um, it's still really weird because I'm trying to, like, find her, like, the record of her name or stuff, but it's really yeah. hard to. It's hard sorting through. Uh no, I, I feel you there because that's that's where I always go is I love trying to identify. Um, but depending on how much starter information you have, it can be needle in a haystack. 
And it's even like worse because she didn't even live here. She lived in Rhode Island for most of her life. So, so it's going through records from, so you have, do you have a a city or a town that you know she was in? No, like, cause she, okay. So she first lived in Israel because she, she was Jewish Mm -hmm. and, um, she lived there. And then when she was five, I guess, five, five, <laughs> when she was five, <laughs> she moved to Rhode Island. Oh, um, okay. So they're, they're potentially, well, and it's hard if you don't have a last name. Like which... I, I do, but like, I don't have a middle name and still mm. like, I've looked it up so many times and like, yeah still can't find it yeah because like some of the that's one of the problems with some of the records of anyone coming through like if she came through ellis island or if she came that they misspell lots of names too uh because i found that when i've when i've been doing research for for uh for stuff where i know there has to be a record somewhere but when you finally find that the name is so misspelled you're like well that's not helpful <laughs> How was I supposed to know that you were going to add two E's and H and and misspell their hometown? Like, uh, oh, yeah, that's that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Um, but also her name wasn't actually Lori. It was Laura, but she preferred to be called Lori. Uh, but for official records, it would probably be Laura. Laura. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be... See again. I love I love these puzzles. I love these mysteries. So I'm just I'm thinking through like, okay, who do I know in the Rhode Island historical societies who might be able to find something? Because uh, I love the puzzle. I love the puzzle of trying to figure out the details of of a person. Um, it's it's one of the things that I uh, you know I I love the sharing of the stories but i think there's a little part of me that likes putting the story together almost a little bit more because the that feeling when you've figured something out when you've solved something when you've put that last piece in is it's it's very gratifying (laughs) (laughs) uh well yeah i i'd be curious if you uh if you tracked her more details let me know i'll see if yeah might be able to throw some people your way who may be able to look some stuff up too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us about your podcast, Ghoulish Tendencies. Ghoulish Tendencies. Uh, so my podcast partner, Gabby, and I, uh, we're running now, I think, a little over two years, three years. I should know this. I don't know how long we've had it. <laughs> uh, but we cover a little bit of everything that falls under the weird or macabre uh we cover true crime we cover the paranormal we cover cryptids and curses and haunted objects uh one of my personal favorite kinds of things to cover is a a crime and then the ghost stories that happened as a result because i and that kind of marries my two areas of, of expertise but uh yeah we we just actually recently coming off of halloween recorded a couple episodes on um we did bell gunnis who was a, a female serial killer and there's some hauntings attached to her uh, i'm looking at a, a lavinia fisher who was another 
kind of legendary ghost story out of Charleston. And her history is really, really interesting because it's a great example of the ghost stories being told, the way her, her, her history is being shared is very different than the real history when you start locating those records and you're like, oh, that didn't happen. Oh, that didn't happen either. Uh, so I'm excited to to be sharing that one soon. But um, yeah, we do episodes uh, every other week. We release a new episode. We're pretty extensive in our research. And so we take a little bit longer compiling our episodes. But uh, you can you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. So like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I think we're on Amazon now and Pod and I don't know if there's pod in the title of it we probably have a podcast <laughs> there <laughs> it was good seeing you thanks for being on beyond the gravestone thank you for having me this was a lot of fun I'm glad you have fun because I totally did We all love a good ghost story, but have you ever wondered how it came to be? Have you ever wanted to dig deeper into the true history of your favorite stories of the macabre? How about whether or not it really went down that way? Join us bi-weekly on Ghoulish Tendencies podcast, where we, two paranormal investigators, delve into the depths of the famous and not so famous cases of murder, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. I'm Gabby, the resident molder. And I'm Kim, the resident scully. And we're your ghostesses of Ghoulish Tendencies podcast, found wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay spooky! You have been listening to Beyond the Gravestone. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your audio so you never miss a new episode. You can also follow along on Instagram at Podcast by Sydney to get all the news on Beyond the Gravestone and my other podcast career quest. Thanks for listening. Bye.